Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to our program. We are going to pray together. We want to pray for each other. Feel free to leave your prayer intentions in the comments. And we want to delve into the Word of God as we do each day. It is our bread. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Of course, he's referring to the Eucharist. He's also referring to his Word. He's referring to himself in every way that he comes to us. So let's eat of that bread here today in fellowship and in the Spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, give us the bread that comes down from heaven. Give us Yourself, our Savior, our joy, our fulfillment, our Master, our Judge, our life. Jesus Christ, give us the forgiveness of our sins, for You died for those sins, Lord God, so we ask You with the greatest possible confidence Forgive us what we have done to offend you, whether by act or omission. We ask you with brave confidence, because we know the infinite oceans of your mercy. Bless us as we go forward today. May we defend life. May we do what is right. May we lead others into your path. You who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. May we lead them in his path in regard to the elections, too, coming up. Right, brothers and sisters? We have, we're, look, we're in election season. Don't think of it as coming or far away. It's, it's, it's now. And that's good that it's now. Some people say, oh, it seems like it's always election season. It needs to be. We need to absolutely defeat the left, the radicals that are ruining this country and ruining our, our freedoms. All right, we want to read today from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his customs post. He said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. While he was at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat with Jesus and his disciples. The Pharisees saw this and said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? He heard this and said, Those who are well do not need a physician but the sick do. Go and learn the meaning of the words, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You know, we don't appreciate how bad these tax collectors were viewed in Jesus' day. I mean, they were categorized with the adulterers and the murderers. First of all, they're representing an occupying empire, right? The Romans are occupying and ruling, um, and so there's that resentment there. But then there's also the, uh, the fact that they were so dishonest and greedy. I mean, people didn't know, you know, you and I can kind of look with the help of our tax agent at what we owe, and may have a good idea what we owe in terms of taxes. These people didn't know how, what uh, how much they were supposed to pay. The tax collectors told them. So it was like these people were like, you know, oh, you owe this much, you know, and then half of it they take and they put it in their own pocket. And so these people were despised. They were despised. Looked down, I mean, tax collectors and sinners. I mean, they were, they were in the same category. It's not just that was, oh, these people and those people. Tax collectors were regarded 
as some of the worst culprits around. And Jesus calls one of them to follow him. And then eats with a whole bunch of them. But he does not justify the wrongdoing. Oh yeah, he eats with them. But he says, first of all, that they are sick sinners. I did not call, come to call the righteous, but sinners. He's saying that they're sinners. He's not, you know, in welcoming the sinner, we don't justify the sin. And that cuts both ways. It's important for the one who's trying to welcome them not to hold back on telling them the demands of what is right and what is true, because on a deep level, they're thirsting for that too. They're going to be grateful to you if you point out their wayward actions, if they have the grace of God to repent. They're going to thank you for not blurring that distinction between light and darkness, good and evil, right and wrong, sin and virtue. Woe to those, Isaiah said, who trade Good for evil, evil for good, light for darkness, darkness for light, bitter for sweet, sweet for bitter. Too many people, in the name of mercy, trying to appear so merciful. If they erase the distinction between sin and virtue, they're not doing you any favors. So that's, 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 that has nothing to do with what Jesus is doing here. Secondly, I mean, he calls them sick. Those who are well don't need a physician. The sick do. And then why does he get, he doesn't sit and eat with them and fellowship with them in order to say to everybody else, hey, don't worry if you're sinning, you can go ahead and do that. It's not permission for sin. It's a call to repentance. Look what he's doing. He says, I did not come to what? Call the righteous, but sinners. Call them to what? Well, Jesus made it clear. His words are not a mystery. Repent and believe in the kingdom of God. And he gave many warnings about repentance. Those who were killed when the tower fell in Siloam, were they more guilty than the rest? No, I tell you no, but you will all come to the same end unless you repent. John the Baptist, when he introduced Jesus, his winnowing fan is in his hand to burn, burn the chaff with unquenchable fire. Jesus said, those who don't repent, they're going to be in unquenchable fire where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Did I ever tell you the funny story of the preacher who was preaching on that passage and there was an old man in the front row and he raised his hand during the sermon and he said, Pastor, Pastor, what about us who ain't got no teeth? And the pastor looks at him and he said, Brother, on that day, teeth will be provided. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth forever. Now, Jesus didn't fool around when it came to repentance. So I have come to not just eat with the sinners and the tax collectors. He certainly didn't say, I have come to justify them. He said, I have come to call them. This is where the church so often fails. Look, the church can fail in two ways. Number one, by closing the door to the sinners and the tax collectors, by thinking that there is such a thing as an unforgivable sin. I mean, obviously Jesus says you don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit, but that means precisely refusing the gift of repentance. But when we repent, there is no unforgivable sin. So the church could err in saying uh, there's no repentance, we don't want the sinners. But the church can also err on the other side, 
And I think we'd all agree that's where the bigger problem is today. Where they say, uh, oh, well, you know, everybody, come on in. Good is evil, evil is good, uh, it doesn't matter, you all decide for yourselves, we're not going to ask you to change, we love you just the way you are. Of course God loves us just the way we are, but He loves us too much to leave us the way we are. He calls us. He calls us to transformation. He calls us to purification. He calls us to perfection. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Nothing unclean shall enter there, the book of Revelation says about the heavenly kingdom. Don't we know we have to change? And when he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, he's revealing his own heart. He's going to have mercy. He wants to have mercy on us more than we want him to have mercy. But he's also challenging the rest of us to show mercy. And this is so important. We too are to open our hearts and, and, and our, our lives and the doors of our churches to the sinners. But when they come to the church, the church has an identity and the church needs to preserve and proclaim that identity. We are the people of God. We live the way God is. The reason we can't change good to evil, evil to good, is that it's based on the nature of God. It's not based on a declaration that He gives today and He could change tomorrow. It's based on His nature. We respect life because God is life. We have to be truthful because God is truth. We have to be just because God is justice. And God can't change. God can't change. And we certainly can't change Him. And we do people a disservice if we misrepresent Him. But He wants us then to exercise the same mercy to others. We are to be merciful like He is. And that means we've got to give people room to change. You know, part of respecting another person is respecting their ability to repent and change. I've talked to you about snapshot thinking. You know, you get a bad impression of somebody or hear a bad thing about somebody. First of all, people have a right to their reputation. But you hear a bad thing about somebody and you, you put them in that box and then you keep them there for the rest of their lives. You can't do that. God is always pursuing people and calling them to change. One of the greatest acts of faith in God is to recognize that even the worst of sinners can change. And one of the greatest acts of love to the neighbor is to recognize that they can change and to give them that leeway. I'll always remember, you know, I knew Mother Teresa of Calcutta and visiting with her in 1994 there in Calcutta. She brought me to one of her many houses there where she brought in the prostitutes from the street. And I remember her bringing me around. We were touring the, the, the facility where they lived, and she brought me into one of the rooms, and she picked up a, a, a blanket that was on the bed. Her face was glowing with joy, and she said, Look, Father, at the blankets here that these women made. They're so good. They're so good. The prostitutes of Calcutta. Do we look down on them? Oh, unclean, unclean, your sinners, get away from us. No. She saw goodness even in them. She was, I could, when I tell you her face was glowing, of all the time I spent with her, I spent quite a few hours with Mother Teresa on that visit. That was the moment when she was most overjoyed. The other moment when her face looked like that was when she asked me when I came in uh, one afternoon from, from, from having been uh, in, around Calcutta, and she said, Father, Come, come with me now. We are want to expose the blessed sacrament. Expose the blessed sacrament for us. And that joy in her face at being about to greet the Eucharistic Lord, that was the same joy that she had in, in showing me the goodness of these women that she brought out in the church because she knew how to call them beyond what they were.
How beautiful, how powerful. That's what this means. Not justifying sin, but calling the sinners. Let's pray. Father, call now, right now. Send your Holy Spirit from you and your Son. And through our prayers and witness, call the sinners to repentance. Lord, we pray for all those who are wrapped up in the lies and deceit, especially of of abortion. Call them to repentance today. Those who are killing babies, even in the seventh, eighth, ninth month of pregnancy, those that are failing to protect them even after they're born. And Lord God, for all those who have had abortion, may we show mercy like you do. And for all those who repent of any sin. But Lord, we know how deep and how dark is the sin of abortion, and some people are not so sure. Some people are not so sure of how to show mercy to those who have done this terrible deed. Let us show them how to show mercy. Let us embrace those who repent of this sin. Let us embrace them with your own loving kindness. We pray now as Jesus taught us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, friends, for joining me. God bless you. Keep in contact. Follow me on social media at FRFrankPavone. Give to our ministry at ProLifeGift.org. And tell us about our programs. And we will talk to you soon. Hello, this is Father David Begany. Like many priests, I am inspired and always learning from the Ministry of Priests for Life, which is one of the largest and most visible pro-life organizations in the world. This ministry relies on your financial support to be able to do its work, produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priests for Life generously? Go today to prolifegift.org and give as generous a gift as you can. Thank you so much, and be assured of our daily prayers for you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.